We didn't have battle sneezing into the microphone this time. <laughs> Did he sneeze during the clap last time? Yeah, and it sounded like he just... It sounded like he shut himself, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those check your draws kind of sneezes. <laughs> but just so I remember to do at the top, because I always forget to do it. Mm. This is Bras of Murder. <laughs> we bring you true come cases of color, music, and a bunch of... We're just a whole variety of this murder shit and we're awesome yeah. well, well you're awesome robert it, you're awesome andre weird mix of like just general spooky things weird stuff justice stuff it's good it's a good mix yeah and this week is not justice it's injustice <laughs> yeah true and there's no battle because he got mixed up with baby stuff he's gotta go be always a condom Unless you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he's been putting some like pretty out of pocket stuff in the chat. <laughs> oh, oh my god! <laughs> Ooh, battle, but I'm excited oh, for god. them. Th- They're gonna make such a cute baby. Oh yeah, the baby's gonna be adorable. I mean, battle himself is gorgeous. So, like, you know, his kid's gonna look like good. Like a little cute munchkin too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. So but, yeah, we don't have battle. I'm gonna. I know. We already miss him already. <laughs> Yeah. Who's going to talk about butt stuff other than battle, you know? Yeah, immediately, right off the top. What did you do? <laughs> right what did, who are you this week, battle? Probably butt stuff. Probably butt stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but let's just get right into my case, because there's a couple questions when it comes to the case that I have. Uh, one, do you feel like people can reform from a crime they commit, especially when it was done when they were a young adult? Versus mm-hmm. to like when they're older. And also the main one is like, do you believe in the death penalty? Question to you, Robert. I don't. And I don't because I don't think that I like I do I think that there are crimes that deserve the death penalty? Yeah, sure. But I don't trust the state, like the government, yeah. to be the person that does that. Like when I hear here Mine too. Like when I hear about cases of like you know, someone is taking revenge and like, you know, they they know some pedophile will kill their child and like they have in whatever proof and they go and kill them. Like, you know, I don't really feel like that's murder to some degree. I, I know that's a little messed up, but like, I understand where that's coming from. But like the state messes up so much and like, yeah, there's not an acceptable number of people who are innocent to be put to death for me to justify it. You know? Yeah. Our, our, our system is too broken for me to feel yeah. comfortable saying that the state should be able to decide who lives and dies. Yeah, because like if it's a 0.1% failure rate, like where we, we get the wrong person, that still means the state is putting to death an innocent person. Innocent person, yeah. Like, I can't accept any level of that. And for me, it's not only the people who may or may not be innocent, but it's also that I do feel like some people can reform from a crime. Yeah, totally. 
if, if they're willing to put in the work and actually do the work. I feel like they should be allowed to write out their sentence and keep, you know, we should be killing people on a state. No. Well, I mean, the, but the case is pretty you bad. Today. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Go, go, go. <laughs> That's all right. So the case I'm presenting today is the case of Brandon Bernard. doesn't ring a bell. His Twitter kind of blew up about him. So, well, he was an 18-year-old. When he was 18-year-old, he took part in the murder of two people. A couple of decades later, he's 40 now and is finally being put to death. And a lot of people got up in arms about it because they feel as though people can change. And he was one of the people that has changed. So before I get into like that aspect of it, I'm going to backtrack and actually give you the case that started it all, like the initial crime. Yeah. Because I don't want to make it seem like I'm excusing what happened. Because what happened was fucked up and deplorable. Right. So, now, Brandon Bard and his accomplices murdered two youth ministers, Todd and Stacy Bagel, on a military reservation in 1999. After Todd and, what well, they agreed to give them a ride, him and the, the several other accomplices. During the ride, one of them pulled out a gun and pointed it at Todd. That he, they then forced him and Stacy into the trunk of their own car and drove the couple around for nine hours. Well, the whole incident lasted nine hours. It wasn't really said okay. how long they were in the back of the trunk for. But I'm assuming it was a couple hours. Uh, while they were there, they were driving around, attempting to steal money and pawn off Stacy's wedding ring. While locked in the trunk, the couple spoke about their abductors. They basically preached to them, told them about God, and pled for their lives. The abductors eventually parked on the Fort Hood, Fort Hood military reservation, which kind of weird. We're bringing up Fort Hood again. Yeah, in the yeah. Episode we talked about Fort Hood. Man, it's a pattern. Fort Hood's fucked up. Bad track record at Fort Hood. <laughs> uh, so when they pulled over there, uh, that's where Bernard and the accomplices doused the car in lighter fluid, as the couple were still sitting in the back seat of the trunk, singing and praying. Oh. After Stacy said that Jesus loves you, and Jesus take care of us. One of the accomplices, not Brandon, opened the trunk and shot both of them in the head, killing Todd and knocking Stacy unconscious. That's when Brandon then lit the car on fire, which killed Stacy with inhalation before burning both of the bodies up. So she survived the shot to the head? She survived the shot to the head, died through the smoke inhalation and a fire. Okay. Now, Brandon Bernard was... So in June 2000, a jury in the U.S. District Court of Western District of Texas found Brandon guilty, among other offenses, but the main ones were two counts of murder within a special maritime territory jurisdiction in the United States. So basically a murder on like a military base right. or somewhere important for the government, you know. And then, uh, a non and then they all unanimously recommended death. His request for collateral relief was rejected by every court that could consider it. So basically, no one was trying to give him any leeway whatsoever. Mm -hmm. uh, Brandon was scheduled to be executed by lethal injection on December 10th, 2020 uh, in Indiana. The shooter and ringleader Christopher Vivella was executed for his role in the murders on September 22nd, 2020. Other members of the gang were also arrested, but they got varying degrees, mostly on the lesser end because they didn't shoot or light mm -hmm. the car on fire. Yeah. So now Brandon Bernard was executed despite pleas from people like Kim Kardashian, of all people, and other anti-death mm -hmm. penalty advocates 
who cited that the possible prosecution actually like there's misconduct and they withheld certain evidence that would have made the weirdest though Brandon would have just gotten a life sentence instead of death. Yeah. Because during the trial, they weren't really distinguishing who shot the two people in the head. Mm-hmm. They kind of framed it as in Brandon and Christopher both did it when it was just Christopher. And people feel like if they would have made that clear and cut distinction, Brandon would have just got life in prison. Yeah. I mean, I, that, so now, that alone seems like enough for an appeal. Yeah. And they, they were trying, but no right. one was even going to consider it. Well, especially if you're tr- if just trying to get the life sentence, like you're not trying to get off or like what, what time served. Yeah, he like, just won a life sentence. Yeah, man, that's that's rough. It gets even more rough. So now Brandon was pronounced dead on uh, December 10th at 9.27 p.m. He had been just 18 year old at the time of his conviction, which made him the youngest person in the U.S. based on the age that he got received the death penalty to mm-hmm. get sentenced to death in 70 years. I think the youngest person before the 70 years gap was, uh, I can't remember his name. He was like that 14 year old black kid who got the electric hair. Uh-huh. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, we talked about it before, but I just can't remember the name off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. So now his last words to the victim's family were, I'm sorry, I wish I could take it all back, but I can't. That's the only words that I can say that completely capture how I feel now and how I felt that day. So he was remorseful. Mm-hmm. The United States Supreme Court denied a last-minute request for emergency stay of execution that Thursday night, with the three justices, including uh, Sonia Sotomayor, Ellen Keegan, and Stephen Beyer, casting dissenting votes. So, still, 40 years later, no one was trying to like hear him out. Was it 40 years? I'm not uh, a person. He was 40 years old, but he yeah, went he in 18, That's what I did. so like 22 or whatever. Is that right? Or... Oh no! Yeah, yeah, twenty-two. <laughs> you're an accountant. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not an accountant. I'm a TikTok ac- accountant. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I I do computer stuff. <laughs> so, so a few months ago, this actually took like Twitter by storm, and a lot of people who were anti-death penalty came forward to try and advocate for clemency. Kim Kardashian again actually pled directly to Donald Trump about. Hey, can you commit this person to life instead of death? But we all know how Trump is a black folk, so that really didn't go that far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Among the arguments supporting clemency, the public argued that Bernard had not been the actual shooter in the crime and was also just 18 when the crime happened. Uh, also, the people cited how behind bars he was actually working with at risk youths and other mm. people to help change their lives. So he I mean, was that's actually, something that people don't think about when it comes to like prison and things is that you can't be record. productive from in prison and you exactly. can't help people. And I feel like that should affect your sentencing or time. Like if you're behind bars doing work on yourself and doing work to help other people, I feel like that should reflect on your overall like record. Like that should be noted. Yeah. And especially well, when someone's who's facing a death penalty, yeah, if society is getting some benefit out of you, like anything, why not? Like, keep letting them help at-risk youth or doing scared straight programs or whatever it is. Like, and those programs that like, do help people too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't even care if you're like 
helping people get their GEDs while they're behind bars. Like that's awesome and beneficial and maybe it'll help with recidivism. So now his legal team had argued that the prosecutors unconstitutionally withheld evidence during his trial that may have given him life rather than death. Bernard's mm-hmm. attorney said that five of the jurors in the case at the time actually came forward later, a couple years later, saying that they no longer support the death penalty. But even the people who convicted him are now saying they don't, yeah. with the new evidence, they don't support it at all. Despite this, the victim's family members actually supported the execution and personally thank the Donald Trump administration for, you know, not switching it over to life, which I oh, makes me go, ah. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand that. That's It's a big old oof. I don't now, know. Trump I, I guess, reportedly... Like, it's just, it, yeah, your victims, and I want to feel bad for you, but at the same time, thinking Trump, yikes, sis. Yeah. <laughs> My God. So now Trump had reportedly been aware of the case, but declined to intervene in the final hours or talk on it. So mm-hmm. his administration did say that he was aware of everything that was happening. Yeah. So now Todd's mom, Georgia Bagley, wrote a statement saying that it has been a very difficult uh, wait for the last 21 years of the sentence that was imposed by a judge in Jor years ago. And now that it's finally complete, she feels better. Uh, to quote her, the sentence act of unnecessary evil was premeditated and had many opportunities to be stopped at any time during the nine hour period. This was torture as they pled for their lives from the trunk of their own car. Which I can agree with that. Yeah, totally. I, it's, it's I all, think this it's person deserves to be in prison for life. Sure. For life, yes. Uh, shortly after the execution, Georgia told the media that she had found solace in the apologies made by both Bernard and Vavel before their deaths. She said, and I quote, The apologies and remorse helped me very much heal my heart. I can now say that I forgive them. Which is very dark <laughs> to me. very dark. Very, yeah. very dark for a Christian. Especially when you were doing the most to make sure they died. Like, you yes. you wanted them dead. Not just out of society, you need to die. I mean, I've never been through, like, something with that with my family, so I don't know how I might react in that situation. But that seems, like, really cold. Now, personally, I have been in a situation like that when I was younger. And my family, all Baptists, so I get growing up in a, relig- a religious household. But they also weren't, like... Rah rah, killed his dude. Yeah, there are more the uh, forgiveness end of it, mm-hmm. which not everyone can do. And I can't, you can't expect everyone to be that way. But I just don't get advocating for the state to kill somebody. I don't know. I feel bad for them. For yeah, no, I, the, the, I don't have any negative feelings towards the victims. Like obviously, they went through an incredibly difficult thing, and like there's, I, there's no right way to grieve and. Like, but shit. I'm glad that they found some sort of peace, but yeah, I'm glad I, that she found solace in some way. But from the outside looking in, kept him going for a while. Yeah. So Charles Warwood, uh, who wrote a statement on behalf of the family, also spoke about forgiveness. He said, and I quote: "I pray that Brandon has accepted Christ as a savior, because he has. Todd and Stacy will welcome him into heaven with love and forgiveness." Uh, thanks, Charles. I guess. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank you for that with those words of mm-hmm. thank you. 
Now, uh, Bernard was the ninth federal inmate to die in an execution this year after, well, not this year, 2020. After Attorney General William Barr announced the federal government would resume executions after a 17-year-long hiatus. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think really what I want to highlight about this case is that we shouldn't be slapping out death penalties so easily. Yeah. I think as a shadow of a doubt rule... I yeah. think needs to like come up a few levels, especially if you're doing a death penalty. Like there shouldn't be a margin of error when it comes to people's lives. And right. I understand being like victimized by somebody and wanting that person dead, but Yeah. It it takes a lot to take a step back and mm-hmm. Try to be the bigger person, and you know, you sh- maybe you shouldn't do it. Maybe like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect everyone to do it, but fuck. <laughs> yeah, I just don't trust our system that much to be dealing out. Right. Well, kind or of- maybe like even if it was something only in instances where they actually admit to crimes, mm-hmm. like I could, you know. Th- I don't know because it all it doesn't even that's not even a jury decision that's it's just case on by the judges case, yeah. yeah so you know you could have some you know death hungry judge out there handing out oh, death sentences like nothing yeah absolutely well and you know how far back in American history do we want to go because sometimes there was not a judge involved in death sentences <laughs> yeah, it was more of a lynch mob than anything uh huh but we, the I mean, reason we've why talked about this, it before yeah but the reason why I put this case under like injustice is because. I feel like there was just a huge injustice done that this man was showing that he was reforming and trying to do better and be a better person and he should have got clemency. Yeah. That's my personal I, opinion. <laughs> it's so difficult to get people to be excited about or interested in being an advocate for people who have committed the heinous crimes. Uh, but, you know, Mark- we all agree they shouldn't be tortured. You know, things like there are things that we need to uphold in our justice system, yeah. which includes prisoners, you know. It's like forced labor, for example. i heavily against. Like, I, I can't believe that companies are allowed to profit it's off just of prison labor. It's slavery with extra steps, you know? Yes, 100%. 100%. You know, why can't we be using that time to, like, get you into therapy, Get your GED, you. those sorts of things. Educate. So yeah. So even if you don't make it back into society, you can still be a different and changed person. Yeah. Get something and, uh, from society. <laughs> yeah. Like these and these conversations are hard to have, but I feel like they're necessary as we go forward. And especially yeah. looking at true crime in a true crime community. Because a lot of times when it comes to people who commit heinous crimes, a lot of us feel the same way. Well, you know, feel like, oh, yeah. You're in prison now, fuck them, like, throw away the well, game. And, I mean, I said it earlier, like, I I would understand where that feeling came from if someone went and go went and sought revenge for their family. Um, like, I understand that. I don't think we should do it. I don't think it's a it's a good course of action. Um, I can empathize. I, and I, you see, all of these feelings and things that I'm saying, like, I would be so pressed trying to say this to the family. Like... I can't imagine. Oh, yeah. Like, I would have a pit in my stomach trying to say this. Yeah. If I was in Kim Kardashian shoes and like was trying to get them to like make a media statement very, about like very clemency. expensive pointed shoes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Man. But I do want to highlight uh, on a video that I posted on Instagram by this point, which should be posted. I highlighted two organizations. One is the Buried Alive Project, which Kim Kardashian does represent along with two other black women who started the years ago. They, uh, 
do their best to advocate for prisoners and inmates and try to get people who were imprisoned on like very small like federal drug cases mm-hmm. out of prison. Like there's people who were in drugs for like holding a dime bag of weed and they're in it for years. Right. But uh, I highly recommend people check it out. I'll put the links in the show notes too. If you can donate, donate. If you just want to like look up the cases that they helped solve, do that because it's very interesting and it's a good read. And before we get on with Robert's Word of the Week, we'll take a small break. <laughs> this is me vibing to and the break back. music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then we're back. So now it's time for Robert's Word of the Week. Okay, so are you aware of... The Transatlantic Radio Railroad Radio, Jesus. The Transatlantic Railroad. I feel like I've heard that name before. So, like, 1800s, early American history, railroads, they're on the scene. They're an awesome way to get around super fast. Everyone's wearing their their best pants, suit, and giant hats, Mm -hmm. smoking cigarettes in every cart. (laughs) So there, once like railroads really start to like build out in the East Coast, uh, the government's like, we need to connect the coasts. We need to be able to get people to the West Coast, you know, in a, in a few days. Because right now it costs like two grand, and you have to either go through Panama or like get yourself in like an ox cart, like hauled your ass over the mountains. You might uh, get dysentery. You never know. I've I've played Oregon Trail. Exactly. You had to Oregon Trail yourself to get to California. That or go through Panama and like risk getting crazy diseases in the tropics. So the U.S. government's like, okay, we got to build this railroad that's going to connect the two coasts. Uh, And they get two companies. One is Union Pacific Railroad. They're starting from the East Coast and they're pretty much exclusively using Irish labor. Um, And then on the West Coast, you have this group of people called the Big Four. You mean the Irish slaves, Robert? They were paid. (laughs) <laughs> this was not slavery. It was poor working conditions. They were treated par- terribly, but we're not saying that's slavery. <laughs> They're very different. But on the West Coast, you had four wealthy dudes. Just they had a lot of money and they got the contract for whatever reason. They had no experience building railroads. They had no experience in construction. They just had money. And they're like, bet, we, we can build a railroad. So these two companies are getting paid by the mile, pretty much. So like however... Each mile that they make of railroad, they get paid. So they're racing each other to meet in the center. And, you know, because if you go faster, you get more money. So this kind of incentivized them to, you know, build very quickly and pretty shitty. A lot of the construction that they built, especially the big four, because, again, they didn't have any experience with construction, uh, was dangerous and had to be replaced later anyway. So the big four was coming out of the West Coast. And at that time, there was about 50,000 uh, Chinese uh, immigrants in California. Uh, many of them were drawn in by the gold rush, you know, and it's a lot easier for, you know, East Asian people to get to the West Coast than it is the East Coast, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you can get there by boat. So originally the big four, they started putting out just advertisements trying to get workers. And there were like no white people on the West Coast who are like, yeah, I'll sign up to build your dangerous railroad. Strange dude who's never built a railroad before. Uh, And they were getting super pressed on time about like, we have to start building, we're losing money, da 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 da. So they open it up to Chinese workers. And originally they just hire like 50 because they 
They said they were an inferior race and probably could not handle the rough labor involved with building a railroad. Um, uh, <laughs> how does that make sense? <laughs> I don't know, but uh, you know, those so, Chinese, they're not, they're not built strong. <laughs> yeah, those 50, they realize, oh, these are like hardworking people who are like, you know, trying to make a living, blah, blah, blah. And the 50 more and 50 more, and it just kept ballooning until uh, by the end of completion of their section of the railroad, over 90% of their workforce was Chinese. And, you know, they were paid about 50% less than their white counterparts. They worked six days a week. They uh, none of their food was paid for, unlike the white co-workers, and they were doing the most dangerous jobs. There's a racist expression that used to be m more commonplace than it is now called a Chinaman's luck, and it's reference to the dangerous conditions that, like, they have very poor luck because they always happen to have to deal with the dynamite or something oh like that that kills them. Uh, and so many... Chinese people died building the West Coast Railroad. I actually found an old like news clipping from the weekly Calusa Sun in 1870. Bones in transit. The accumulated bones of perhaps 1,200 Chinamen came in by Castor Train yesterday, says the Sacramento reporter. From along the line of the Central Pacific Railroad, the lot compromises about 20,000 pounds. Nearly all of them are the remains of employees of the company who were engaged in building the railroad. The religious customs of the celestial empire require that, whenever possible, the bones of its subjects shall be interred upon its own soil, and the strictness with which this custom is observed is something remarkable." So essentially it's, you know, evidence of a mass grave that was mailed back to China. Um, you know, th these people, again, not slaves. They were not slaves. They were paid. But the working conditions that they were put through were incredibly inhumane. And 1,200 minimum people in that one instance were kind of sent back to China. I bring this up in general because it's, you know, Chinese Americans, Asian Americans are a very important part of American history that kind of gets like... Yeah. Pushed it aside. Looked over a lot, yeah. Something as important as like the Transatlantic Railroad, like building the very like bones of the nation. And the what kind of like sparked my want to like talk about how long, you know, Asian people have been in the US right now, like 1800s, like this is like beginning, beginning of the US, uh, is we've seen a really big spike in hate crimes against Asian Americans in the U.S. right now. So in San Bernardino, San Bernardino uh, California, there's been a 149% increase from 2019 to 2020 of Asian American specific hate crimes. And, you know, from like, you, I'm guarantee you've seen like videos online of people like jumping like old uh, Asian people just walking down the street, you know, and a lot of this is coming from places of like fear and miseducation about you know, the coronavirus and associating it with China. I mean, the president of the United States called it the Kung flu. Like, yeah, that just like goes to show like it doesn't matter how long that family's been here, how Americanized they are. Like, it's truly just racism. And the U.S. has a has a tradition of like ignoring the the people that helped build the nation. And uh, you, we need some solidarity with uh, the Asian American people right now. Uh, so I just wanted to highlight that and uh, highlight part of the, the history of Asian Americans in the U.S. Yeah, it's not talked about enough. And like you said, there should be more solidarity across the board. Yeah. 
and it's so it, it's weird when you don't see that. Like when you see racism between like the different uh, minority communities <sighs> in America, and well, it's like, and I mean I'll be the first one to say it, like, Asian American community can be incredibly racist, um, especially with you know like older relatives and things like that. Like it's so hard to get people to like open up their like minds about like living in the U S in a place that is so like multicultural. So that's like when us descendants of like first generation immigrants have to step in and be like, Hey, hold up. Let's community American as an identity. Let's like help people and advocate for people. And that's one thing you, we do see more of. And the younger than like me, me and Robert are uh, <laughs> Gen Z. <laughs> yeah. So one thing you do see more of with our generation is like people coming together in that solidarity is is a lot more easier than it, you notice it with the older generations. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So and they're also know, we're also I not think... afraid to call out our parents. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I've had some there. rough conversations with family over the yep. years for sure. Don't invite me nowhere. I will call. I will call you the fuck out. <laughs> I mean, it's always good to have at least one person like that in your in your group, you know. But yeah, I thank you for bringing that up because I, you know, we want the show to be diverse and open to these conversations because that's like our message. So thank you, Robert, for bringing that to the forefront. Well, thank you for creating such a platform for us mm. to do so. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> But hey, that was the episode. Again, this is like episode 10. We got like two or three more episodes left in this season. It's one and down. And you're ready for the finale. Don't worry. Yeah, we will be back. Battle will be back. Along with Kelly. She's coming on board too. K Money. That's going to be fun. (laughs) But yeah, so just follow the Instagrams for all Mm -hmm. my memes and the uh, good videos, the content that we've been putting out. We should have a new one soon. Yeah, we got, we got another one coming out soon. Uh, but yeah, keep the ears to the ground, keep the finger on a pulse, and uh, don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> but we love you. Kisses from the homies. Mm. Bye. Bye. Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys.
from the beginning.